The singing of the doxology by the PCC student body begins Pensacola Christian College Chapel. At each chapel service, students have an opportunity to receive spiritual exhortation and enrichment during a time of music and meditation on God's Word. This podcast shares selected recent chapel messages from guest speakers, faculty, and staff. Welcome to the PCC Chapel Podcast. As you're getting adjusted and you're getting seated, if you'll find your place in the Bible in the book of Psalms, we'll be in Psalm 16, actually Psalm 71, but I'd like for us to start in Psalm 69. So Psalm 69 is where we'll begin this morning. It is good to see each of you here. I'm so glad that we have made it thus far into the semester, midway point, and we're headed toward the second half, and I hope it's been a good start to your week so far. Have you ever watched people wait? We spend a lot of our time waiting. We spend time waiting for things to start, waiting for things to end. We spend time waiting in line. We spend time waiting on the elevators. And have you ever noticed how different people wait? You're at the airport. They're waiting to board the plane. You can see the personality of folks just come alive or not so much as they're waiting. I think one of the most awkward places, especially if you're talking about on campus like this, is to wait in the elevator. Where do you look? You get on at the first floor, you're going to the sixth floor. Others are on there. You don't know very few people on there. The folks that you do do know, you don't know them well enough to start a conversation. So where do you look? You look up, you look down, you look around. You, You really don't make eye contact with anybody. It's kind of awkward. But the one place, if you're going to look on an elevator, the one place that seems to be the safe spot is the indicator of what floor you're on or what floor you're going to. You're waiting. You're waiting to get to your floor. When you're waiting in line at the grocery store and there's a lengthy line, you're waiting. And what is it that you're looking for? You're looking for who's next in line and and how long the line is and waiting to see people move out so that your time, when it's time for you to, to put your stuff on the conveyor belt there, you can actually check out in an orderly process. When you're waiting in line for food at a restaurant. And you may be talking to folks, but you always have your eye looking to where you're wanting to end up there next to the food. Waiting. It, it's such a, a part of our life, but we have so many habits while we're waiting. But again, the one thing that can be assured is when a person is waiting, they are concerned about what they're waiting for. When we come to Psalm 69, we find an individual that's waiting. And the waiting that we find in Psalm 69, verse 3, there's not an awkwardness that's here, but there certainly is a perspective and and a view of what they're waiting for. And as we look at the first couple of verses of Psalm 69, we find that the situation of the psalmist is not one that we would enjoy being in. He's asking for salvation in verse 1, save me, O God. And the salvation here is not a spiritual salvation as far as uh, being lost and then being saved, but the salvation here we find in verse 2 is that of sinking in a deep mire where there's no standing. Coming to the deep waters where the floods overflow me. The, The picture here is of one who is being completely enveloped by life's situations. And as we look into verse 3, Notice the, the, the place of this person emotionally. I am weary of my crying. My throat is dried. And here it is. Mine eyes fail while I wait for my God. My eyes 
fail while I wait for my God. You see, waiting for God is not like waiting in an elevator. In an elevator, you can see what direction you're headed, and you can see where you are and the progress you're making, and you can tell when it's your floor to get off. It's not like waiting in line at the supermarket where you can see the line moving, albeit sometimes very slow, but you can see progression. It's not like waiting in the restaurant for food. You can see what's going on around you. Waiting for God is far different because there are many times to where we don't see God moving. And we're looking and we're peering, and, and much like the psalmist here, mine eyes fail. Because remember, one thing in common about everyone that waits is we know what we're waiting for, and our waiting is directly determined by that which we see. But what happens when you and I don't see God working? What happens when, like the psalmist, as we're waiting for the Lord and we're praying for deliverance, the psalmist says, mine eyes fail while I wait for my God. What are you waiting for from your God this morning? What is it that you have been praying for that you have been seeking? What is it that you've been desiring? What situation are you in that you have absolutely no control over the circumstances? You're sinking in the deep mire, verse 2. The floods are overflowing you. You're coming into deep waters and you're waiting for God to do something, what are you waiting for? Has God brought you to a place in your life where you're waiting for something? And as you wait, are your eyes failing? Not because you can't see, but because you can't see God working through the situations. The psalmist here in Psalm 69 gives us a, a lengthy description in the entire psalm of what happens when you and I are waiting for God. And what we see in Psalm 69, uh, there are three truths that we see in Psalm 69. We're going to see those truths fleshed out in Psalm 70, but we're going to come into Psalm 71 and we're going to see a glorious finish in these three psalms. In Psalm 69, in times of waiting, our faith anchors us in trouble. The psalmist here is in trouble. There's no question about it. And, and while the psalmist is waiting, there are anchors that faith provides for the psalmist. The first one is found in verse 5. And the first anchor that faith allows in times of trouble is that God knows our imperfections. You see that in verse 5 of Psalm 69? O oh God, thou knowest my foolishness, and my sins are not hid from thee. God knows your imperfections, and he knows my imperfections. And that is an anchor that I have as I'm waiting for God. God knows that I am waiting, but I am not seeing him working. God understands that I am a sinner in need of a Savior, but having been saved, I still have the limitations of flesh. There are certain things I can't see. There are certain things I can't hear. There are, there's certain knowledge I cannot know. And God knows that. He knows my foolishness. He understands the weaknesses that I go through. He knows my sins. And that is an anchor that I have in my faith as I'm waiting to see God work. The second anchor in time of trouble is found in verse 19, and that is God knows the way I've been mistreated and the way that I have had adversity. In verse 19 of Psalm 69, thou hast known my reproach and my shame and my dishonor. Mine adversaries are all before thee. 
that anchor in times of waiting, when, when my eyes fail to see God working, an anchor that I have in my faith is not only that God knows my imperfections, but he knows the way I've been mistreated and he knows my adversity. He knows my adversaries that are around me. He knows what I face. He knows that the adversaries come from the world, come from the flesh, and come from the devil. And the Lord knows that they're all before him. And so as my eyes faint while I wait for my God, while my eyes fail, while I wait to see my God work, I know an anchor to my faith is that God knows my mistreatments and my adversaries. Then we come down to Psalm 69, verse 33, and we see a third anchor that comes to what faith allows us in times of trouble, and that is this, God hears me. He hears me. For the Lord heareth the poor and despiseth not his prisoners. The Lord hears me. When I cry, they do not fall upon deaf ears. In the multitude of the millions of billions of prayers that have been offered up to the Lord, the millions on a daily basis, just if it were be representative of the student body here, the prayers that are being offered up to the Lord on a, on a minute-by-minute basis, He hears mine. He hears my prayers. So as I am praying and, and I'm waiting and my, my eyes are, are fainting to see God work, I know he knows my imperfections. That's an anchor in my faith. I I know that he knows the situations I'm in, my adversaries and my mistreatments. That's an anchor to my faith. And third, I know he hears me. These three anchors is what faith gives us in times of trouble. But let's move now to Psalm 70. Psalm 70, we've seen faith's anchors in time of trouble. Uh, Let's look at the way the prayer of one who is fainting, whose eyes are fainting to see God work. Uh, Let's look at the actual prayer. In verse 1 of Psalm 70, make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. As we come to Psalm 70, we find the way the anchors of our faith are actually used And the first truth we find in Psalm 70 is this, that remembering that God hears me, I make my request with urgency. Remember that anchor that that faith gives. Well, how am I using that anchor? Well, I'm actually praying to the Lord. Remembering that he hears me, I make my request with urgency. It's something needed right away as I'm sinking in miry clay, as as the deep waters are coming over me, as, as the floods are overflowing me. The way that I pray is with urgency. Why? Because I know that he hears me. Uh, That's the provision that God has made for us in prayer. But as we look in verses 2 through 4, we not only remember that God hears us and therefore we make our request with urgency, but in the psalm of remembrance, remembering that God knows my situation, my mistreatments, and my adversaries, In verses 2 through 4, I'm making my request for righteous judgment. Remembering that God knows my situation, I'm praying prayers that are righteous prayers. Look in verse 2. Let them be ashamed and confounded that seek after my soul. Let them be turned backwards and put to confusion that desire my hurt. Let them be turned back for a reward of their shame that say, aha, aha. 
Then in verse 4, let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. And let such as love thy salvation say continually, let God be magnified. Because God knows my situation, because God is aware of my adversity and the turmoil that I'm facing, I can pray a righteous prayer. Lord, may the righteous be encouraged and may the wicked, may their devices be thwarted. And then in verse 5, remembering that God knows my imperfections, look how verse 5 is worded. I make my request with confidence. I am poor and needy. Make haste unto me, O God. Thou art my help and my deliverer, O God. Make no tearing. Lord, I can't do this. And I know one of the anchors to my faith, Lord, is that you know my frailties. You know my weaknesses. And because you know, remembering that you know who I am, I am making my request with confidence. Lord, help me. You are my deliverer. Make no tarrying. So in Psalm 69, there's some anchors to our faith. The Lord knows our imperfections. He knows our situations and he hears our prayers. In Psalm 70, remembering that he hears our prayers, we pray. Remembering that he knows our situations, we pray with righteousness. And remembering that he knows us, we pray with confidence. He wants us to come to him. Now those are situations that I think you and I are very familiar with. What it is to be in a, in a, in a time of life, in an area of life where things beyond our control are happening to us and, and we need anchors. So let's move now into our text in Psalm 71. Our text in Psalm 71, uh, there seems to be a large passage of time between Psalm 69 and 70 and Psalm 71. Now the Psalms are not necessarily given to us in chronological order and I'm not trying to imply that or even illustrate that, but these three Psalms do have a theme order to them. In Psalm 69, we have the anchors, I know, I know, I know. In Psalm 70, we, we have the application of that knowledge. But in Psalm 71, it, it appears to show not so much faith's anchor in times of trouble or faith's plea in time of trouble. Psalm 71 appears to show uh, not a young person looking at life, not a child looking at what's going on around them, uh, not even someone who's middle-aged and, and, and going through various issues in life. Psalm 71 uh, appears to be at a time in the psalmist's life that the Lord is using to look back over the multitude of years. The multitude of years of being in a place where his eyes are fainting as he waits to see his God. Those multitude of years where he has found comfort and strength and understanding that God knows who he is and that God is aware of his situations. Psalm 71 appears to be the fruit of a life spent seeking the Lord. For instance, here in Psalm 71, look at verse 9. Psalm 71 verse 9. The prayer is, cast me not off in time of old age, forsake me not when my strength faileth. Seems to be written at a time in the psalmist's life where there's more time behind him than there is in front of him. 
If you look down to verse 17, O God, thou hast taught me from my youth, and hitherto have I declared thy wondrous works. Now look in verse 18. Now also, when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not. This psalm appears to be a psalm written by one who is seasoned in his walk with the Lord. One who has trusted the Lord in verse 17 from his youth and, and been taught by God that God knows who he is, God knows his adversaries, the situation, and that God hears his prayer. And that based upon that, he, he prays righteous prayers, he prays with confidence, and, and he prays understanding that God knows all those things around him. The Lord has taught him from his youth. And, and even during his youth, we have the testimony here in verse 17 that he's declared God's wondrous works. But in verse 18, he says, now, also, when I am old and, and gray-headed. We don't have so much uh, faith's anchors that are being mentioned here. We don't have so much of, uh, of faith's plea, but we have a, an impact that your faith and my faith has upon our lives. We're seeing an illustration of one whose faith has made a difference in his life. And while not lived perfectly and, and not lived uh, without any blemish and blamelessly, he, he has a faith that has known years and upon years. And faith's impact upon his life is very much at the forefront of this psalm. As we drop down to Psalm 71, look in verse 3, if you would, as we have our few moments here left to conclude this chapel message. I'd like for us to see what faith produces. Uh, we have faith's anchors, these truths that God has given us in Psalm 69. We have faith's plea that's based upon these anchors, but let's look at the fruit now of this faith. Look in verse 3 of Psalm 71. Be thou my strong habitation, whereunto I may continually resort. Thou hast given commandment to save me, for thou art my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, O my God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the hand of the unrighteous and cruel man. For thou art my hope, O Lord God. Thou art my trust from my youth. This is a tremendously important statement that's made here in these three verses. He's asking for the Lord to deliver him. Notice in verse 3, um, I'm sorry, verse 4, deliver him out of the hand of the wicked. He is old and gray-headed and he still faces the adversity of life. There's not a time where the psalmist in this side of eternity is going to have a time of peace and a time of quiet. There's no retirement from his walk with the Lord. There's the continual occupying, keeping his faith real in the lives of others that are around him, his, his testimony vibrant in a very dark and dying world. And he is asking the Lord to deliver him out of the hand of the wicked. And he mentions in verse 5 that thou art my trust from my youth. Are you developing and nurturing a trust in your God. Now is the time to develop it. Now is the time to nurture it and to build it. To be able to say, I am trusting the Lord God. 
This gray-headed old man in Psalm 71 is looking back over his life, and he says, For thou art my hope, O Lord God, for thou art the trust from my youth. I am where I am today, in verse 3, because you have been a place where I have continually resorted. The psalmist is very acquainted with the covert of God's wings. The psalmist is intimately acquainted with a place of resort in times of need. What does faith produce? When we look at these three verses, we find that faith produces constant dependence. Do you see that here? I continually resort. God is not my last resort. He's my continual resort. God is not the place I go to when I find no other help. God is the place I go to first. He is the one I first mention things to. He is the one I first cry out to. He is the place I first go to seek wisdom from his word. He is the first one to hear the plight that I'm in. I have found him as a continual resort, and I've learned this from my youth. What a tremendous product of biblical faith. But as we come down to verses 6 through 8, we find another product of faith. Not only does faith produce constant dependence, but faith produces constant praise. Look in verse 6. By thee have I been holding up from the womb. Thou art he that took me out of my mother's bowels. My praise shall be continually of thee. One of the products of faith is constant praise. Now, you can probably tell just from these two areas, dependence and praise, that if constant faith produces that, and you and I live a life where there is complete independence from God, and you and I live a life where we don't even consider praising the Lord, if you and I are living a life and, and we're able to do things on our own and, and going without the Lord for a day or two in our t- a quiet time with Him really doesn't make much of a difference in our life, then are we living a life that produces dependence? And then if, if we have constant bitterness and frustration and anger in our lives, in our hearts, in the, the voice that we use to tell others about our God, if we have a Naomi syndrome, as she had, that, that, that God had dealt harshly with me. And that one point in her life as she comes back and she thinks she has nothing. If we have a, a Jacob syndrome where when, when he sends down Benjamin, he says, God has taken all, all these things are working against me. Is that the product of faith? And the answer is no. Very clearly here, faith produces constant praise. That though the Lord has allowed these things, yet will I bless him and praise him. We come down to verses 14 and 15 and we find a third fruit of faith. Not only do we continually resort in verse 3 as this old man, this gray-haired man, this, this man who has a walk with the Lord that has been through seasons of life, not only did his faith produce continual dependence, continual resorting, not only did it produce continual praise, my praise shall continually be of thee, but in verse 4, Faith produces constant hope. I will hope continually. Verse 15, 
My mouth shall show forth thy righteousness and thy salvation all the day, for I know not the numbers thereof. I will hope continually. There's not a day in the circumstances of the day that goes by that I can say I have no hope. I'll hope continually. That's a product of faith. Now remember where we started in Psalm 69. There's anchors that are given to us that help us in times where our eyes fail as we wait to see God. One of those anchors was that God knows my weaknesses. He knows my imperfections. God knows my situation. And God hears my prayer. Based upon those anchors, I now pray to God with confidence. I now pray to God righteous prayers and I come before him urgently. And as I look back over the days and the months and the years of my walk with the Lord, I'm not yet old and gray-headed. I'm working that direction as are each one of you. May the faith that the scriptures declare so clearly allow you and me to have confidence and have the testimony where I can say, from my youth I learned this. Therefore, you're my constant resort, my continual resort. You're my continual praise and you're my continual hope. Now, as we close in Psalm 71, I want you to see one more fruit of faith. And it begins in verse 16. Are you there with me? Psalm 71, verse 16. The Lord is my continual resort. He's my continual praise. He's my continual hope. Beginning in verse 16 down to verse 22, faith produces, and this is a fruit of faith, faith produces a legacy to be passed on to the next generation. That legacy you're developing right now in your walk with God. That legacy you're developing right now in the midst of midterm exams. That legacy you're developing right now in the midst of your relationships. That legacy you're developing right now in the midst of your major. That legacy you're developing right now in the midst of the world events that are going on. You are developing that legacy now so that when your day comes... You can say in verse 16, I will go in the strength of the Lord God. Notice in verse 16, the legacy here. I will make mention of thy righteousness, even of thine only. O God, thou hast taught me from my youth. Do you see a pattern here? I hitherto have declared thy wondrous works. Now also when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not. Notice this, until I have showed thy strength unto this generation and thy power to every one that is come. That is one man's faith. That faith that was anchored in those three truths that we looked at in Psalm 69. Those anchors that were applied in Psalm 70. Now through the passage of years, he has a legacy of faith to pass on to the next generation. To everyone, notice in verse 18, to everyone that is to come. Where are you now? Where is your walk with the Lord today? 
what legacy do you have today? If today was the last day of your earthly existence, if today was the last day of my earthly existence, could people look into my life and is the legacy that I'm leaving behind one like the psalmist here? The legacy that says, oh Lord, oh God, thy strength and thy power has been the evidence of my life. I've continually resorted unto you. I've continually praised you. I've continually hoped because I've understood that while I, my eyes faint to see while I wait for you to work, my faith is strong. I will go in the strength of the Lord God, verse 16. Look in verse 19. Thy righteousness also, O God, is very high. Who has done great things, O God, who is like unto thee? Thou, which has showed me great and sore troubles, shall quicken me again and bring me up again from the depths of the earth. Thou shalt increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. I will also praise thee with the psaltery, even thy truth, O my God. Unto thee will I sing with the harp, O thou Holy One of Israel. Does this testimony seem foreign to you? I hope it doesn't. I hope as you're going through your Monday and you're going through the rest of your week that there are the pillars of, of truth that you have that have anchored your walk with God and that you're applying those and that you're developing in your personal walk with God the fruit of constant hope, constant praise, constant resorting to God that you will leave behind a legacy of faith that says, I will mention it, I've declared his works, I will go in the strength of the Lord. Mine eyes fail while I wait on my God. But while mine eyes fail, my faith is ever strong. You've been listening to a message from Pensacola Christian College Chapel. You're welcome to pass this sermon along to others. Please don't charge for it or alter it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. For additional information about PCC, visit us online at pcci.edu. Pensacola Christian College, empowering Christian leaders to influence the world for Christ.